What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi. You guys are listening to episode number 35. I would like to, uh, right off the bat here, apologize for not doing um, an episode last week. I had a ton of traveling going on, um, you know, just a bunch of stuff. So I knew I was going to have such a... Um, such a packed week, so I figured I could get it all into this episode, so I assure you all you're in for a good one, um, just got back from, uh, Dallas, Texas, which was an incredible, incredible week, today, by the way, is, uh, well, this will be, um, up, uh, tomorrow, which is Wednesday, but I am doing this right now, October 11th, 2011, at night, sitting at my desk in my home, and uh, I actually had so much stuff to talk about on episode 35 that I'm literally sitting here writing writing the outline of the podcast down. And I'm just going, oh, what about that? And as I start, I'm going, oh, what about that? So um, sit back, relax, do whatever you're doing if you're in a gym, pumping iron, thinking you're fucking muscular. Or if you're running on a treadmill or if you're just sitting in front of the computer hoping to hear something funny. Uh, hopefully I could give it to you, but uh, this should be a good one. So I just got back from uh, Dallas, Texas. I was at the uh, Improv out there in Addison, uh, opening up for um, Bill Burr, who just, by the way, draws the best, smartest crowds. Uh, Bill's crowds, you know, they're known for, like, drinking a lot and being respectful, which is a fucking hilarious and also... Um, just it's just a great combination because you get people that want to have a good time. They're drinking, they want to laugh, but they let they let the comedians do what they do. So that's awesome. Um, we were out there every show sold out. We did uh, five shows total, and um, and then I got drunk and ended up going up on the on a late to like the last show Saturday, which we weren't even on. But that's a whole other story that I'll get to. Um, but anyway, so. Um, we get to Dallas, and like I said, everything, I mean, the staff is great. One of the best clubs that I've been to uh, in the country. I mean, um, it's right up there with the, the, the DC Improv and Hilarities in Cleveland and all these great clubs across the country. Highly recommend any comedian, if you could get into this room, get into the room. The staff, unbelievable. They treat you with the utmost respect. They uh, make sure you need, I mean, every fight, it almost got annoying. You know, this guy's like, you need anything? Can I get you anything? Oh, yeah, your dinner will be ready when you're off stage. Uh, can I get... It's like every fucking 10 minutes, they were just right there for you. Uh, anything that you needed, treating you great. Um, so it was awesome. Nothing nothing but good things to say. Um, you could walk from your hotel, which was awesome, by the way. Uh, you could walk right, you know, right to the corner of the street, and you're in the comedy club. So you could leave your hotel 10 minutes before showtime, get there. Walk in, there's a packed crowd, get ready to do your thing. It's awesome. Flat screen TV, couches in the green room. Um, absolutely the shit. So, uh, you know, the, the shows went great. You know, busting out new material. Um, and, and it's funny because I, I had to, you know, when I, was, when I was going there, Bill said to me, you know, Burr, he was like, you know, you got to fuck with these people about Romo. You're going to fuck with them about Romo, right? Now, part of me was like... Bill's got to be just fucking with me right here. Like, does Bill really want me to, like, I will, because he knows that I'd, I'll talk shit about anything, and I don't care, you know, like, especially, like, about sports, I don't give a shit. But I'm like, all right, maybe he's fucking with me, you know? 
Maybe he is, uh, you know, like, all right, watch. I'm going to, you know, see if Verzi sabotages himself. Like, I go up there. There's, you know, 300 whatever just sold out Dallas lunatics drinking. And I'm up there just shitting on Romo. Bill sitting in the back watching, just laughing, you know, at the prank he just pulled on his buddy. Yeah, go go shit on him. But then I'm like, no, you know, let me see how, uh, let me see how this works out. So, uh, Jesus, I got, I, I just heard some kind of like slurp. You, you know when you finish a Coke or a drink, a soda, and it just makes a noise? Like, I've, I just heard that and a car almost crash. Um, that was fucking weird. Anyway, um, and by the way, if you guys hear like a fan or some kind of air, my MacBook is doing something, and it sounds like a plane taking off every once in a while. Um... So that's what that is, but no. So I'm on, you know, I'm up, up, I'm up on stage the first night. And I'm feeling the crowd out. It's my first night there. Um, I when I perform in Dallas, Texas. I mean, when I perform in uh, Texas, it's never in the Dallas area. It's always in either San Antonio, which I go to once a year, or um, and I've I've been to Houston, but I've never been to this area, you know, uh, of the state of Texas. So uh, really nice too. Liked it by the way. The weather was the shit. It, everything was fucking great. So I'm on stage. And I'm just, you know, I'm feeling them out. And I'm, I'm kind of just making fun of the, the, the food portions and, and the shit that they eat down there. Because these people truly don't give a fuck. Like, it is so just anti-health, anti, like, they don't give a shit about, like, you know, they don't hike out there. They don't do anything. It's like football, beer, you know, buckets of fucking nachos, like Mexican food. Like, they just, these people just, I mean, th this is a, one of the... This state is one of the biggest reasons why we are the fattest people on, in, in the fucking world. Because, you know, you could go there and just eat a fucking vat of like, you know, they fry everything. It's hilarious. So anyway, I'm on stage and I just like, I start to do well. And I'm just like, all right, guys, I got to talk about Tony Romo. The fucking place is going like, you know, they're like half of the people are like, oh, what's he going to say? The other half of people are like, do it. And I basically just said, I said, how frustrating is this guy? for you people here in, like, in Dallas, like, how frustrated are you when we start going, and I just start talking shit, and these people fucking went from being, like, defensive about it to loving it, I think I said, I said he could break his leg going to get his mail, and then after that, um, I said, um, I said Tony Romo could fumble a titty, and they're attached, and I think that's the one that really put them over the top, like, I, like, shit bro like, it just went, they started to go fucking nuts. And I literally, when I said Tony Romo could fumble a titty and they're attached, I, I realized, oh, holy shit, like, that is funny. Because this was something I thought of literally that night. So I start laughing on stage and I'm just trashing them. And then I did the thing where I said, uh, Tony Romo in a nutshell. Here's Tony Romo in a nutshell. And I told the crowd this. I said, I thought about this. And, and, and here's what I could say about the guy. He finally gets the date of his dreams you know, the girl of his dreams to go on a date with him and he finally gets it. Things are going great. And then right before he gets laid, which is going to happen, he just gets an uncontrollable nosebleed. The girl gets freaked out because blood is flowing everywhere and she leaves and he just has that stupid smirk on his face. And then I did an impression of him in the press conference with his Kangol hat and his head tilted to the side with that stupid smirk where he tries to act serious, but he almost looks like he's going to start hysterically laughing. And uh, I got to be honest, the crowd ate it up. It was fucking great. Like, everyone's like, you got to do that. You got to do that. So, like, I basically did that all five shows, different versions of it. Like, got into it different ways. But it was awesome. And then I even had a callback uh, with the Tony Romo thing. 
uh, about fumbling something. So that was awesome too. Uh, so it was, it was fucking, dude, the crowds were great, I was doing new shit, when I got dirty, they came for the ride, when I stayed clean and was doing stuff about my son and my wife, they were, it was just everything, man, um, really, really awesome time, and then I gotta tell you, man, you Bill Burr fans out there, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll always talk about, you know, Bill either on my podcast or like, you know, being friends or working with him, because he truly is one of my closest friends and he's been great to me in my career, but I gotta tell you, watching this guy work, holy shit, like, it was some next level shit, like, I was, that one, like one of the sets, I just sat there, I think I got a drink, uh, my night was done, and I got a drink, and I just watched his last show, and I was just like, I was the best, I was probably the best comedy I've ever seen in my life, man, and, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm talking, include all the legends in that, it was fucking remarkable, the examples, the analogies, the, the coming in and out of his set, and doing what the fuck he did, was, was just, uh it was great, so, um, it was just unbelievable uh, week, uh, you know, of, of stand-up. Now, here's what we did other than the stand-up, which, which um, I don't even know. I think I only have to do, like, one other thing in Texas ever because that's we did everything. Um, the first day we woke up, we went to, because a guy that uh, was hosting there that knows Bill, he's really close friends with Mark Cuban, and I guess he had just gotten into comedy not too long ago, so he was like the, the MC for the weekend for us, brings us, and he used to work for the Mavericks, so this guy brings us to the Dallas Mavericks practice facility, which is at the home, which is at the American Airlines Arena. So we basically go to the American Airlines Arena into the parking lot where the players come in for game night right, and we go in, the the trainer, like, meets us outside, shakes our hand, hey, what's going on, come in, we go into where they work out, we go into all of, like, the, you know, we saw, like, all, like, the hot tubs where the trainer, like, you know, gives them, you know, the, the medicine that they need, like, all this shit, then they got pool tables and leather seats, and Mark Cuban did this shit so unbelievable they almost look like prima donnas where you would think if you if they never won you would be like that's why these guys never won because they're thinking about sitting on this leather fucking sofa that probably heats up and has a massager in it and a flat screen instead of going out there and and, and playing good against you know Kobe and Odom and the Lakers it's just he did everything top notch so they're showing us this then we even got to go downstairs into the practice court now, I play basketball. I talk about it sometimes on a podcast. I play basketball um, a lot. You know, I did, like, a quick, like, pickup men's league. You know, I go Monday nights to open gym sometime when I can. I always play basketball. You know, I've always had, like, a jump shot. I've always played and uh, love to run around and everything. So I'm on there. I mean, I got to hit my shots here. You know, just because I'm just standing there. Like, this is where these guys work. I got to hit my shots here. So my first shot, I hit. And I'm fucking so fucking nuts about it that I'm like, so Burr takes out his video camera and, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he's like, all right, Verzi, come on, man, first three, let me get your first three, so I go to the corner, and, like, he's like, all right, here's Paul Verzi, Dallas Mavericks thing, and I, I make sure, it was so funny, like, I took it so seriously, like, I spread my fingers on the ball, and, like, I made sure my form, my form was perfect, and, uh, NBA threes, like, I'm used to playing on college courts, or, you know, the court with the college three, and I hit it, and I'm like, did you get it, did you get that, like, the first one, it was, like, such a fucking big deal to me, it was hilarious, um, and we were just shooting around. It was so fucking cool, man. Um, and then I guess the the, the Dallas Stars uh, were opening the NHL season there. So we kind of got to peek through and watch them skate on the ice a little bit. And, um, you know, that was just 
oh, it was the shit, man. Like, I, I was just like, you know, for someone like me who, you know, because being a comedian and stuff, being around people, I don't really get crazy about, like, like starstruck. I mean, like, guys like, you know, some of my heroes or, like, Michael Jordan or, like, even when I saw Chris Rock at that Christmas party, I kind of got freaked out about it, you know, but sports is my shit, so uh, we do that. And uh, we just have a great time. Then, right after that, we leave American Airlines Arena and go to Cowboys Stadium, and we take a tour of that. We go into Jerry Jones's, uh, you know, where Jerry Jones watches the game with his sons. Um, saw that huge screen up there. We went up on all the different levels. They took us into the the, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, um, the the cheerleaders locker room, which was really silly because it was just so funny. It was just like, <laughs> like people just standing there like looking around and they had like all of the posters of the cheerleaders standing over these empty lockers and then at one point it just kind of got silly just standing in this empty thing with nothing in it but just pictures of of girls it was it was weird hilarious <laughs> like these dudes were making jokes but uh, you know uh then we go into the the regular locker room and uh you know all the the current players and then we came out where the players in Dallas come out to play uh they they walk through that bar to get there on Monday Night Football, all the shit we're doing, we're doing everything, and I gotta tell you, everybody was saying things like, it's too big, it's too much, it's not, the only thing is that big screen is way too big, and it actually is distracting, it comes down too low, and you could see if you're sitting there and you want to watch the game on the field, you got this big fucking thing flash, and it's like, it's the size of like a four-story building in Manhattan, it's like fucking a hundred, it's ridiculous, it's like 70 by a hundred feet or something, it's, it, it's just way too much, but um, you know, it was just really cool. So we did that. We even got to go. This was pretty cool, too. We drove where Kennedy got shot. Um, they have, like, an X on the street where his car was with the first shot and then the second shot. And then they got the grassy knoll there. And then they got the uh, uh, the building that uh, Oswald was in and stuff. The, uh, what are they called? The posit uh, whatever the fuck it is. The depository or some shit. I don't know, but... Um, all that stuff that we got to see, like, all within, like, a few hours. So we did that and, um, you know, just ate and, and then went back and then we had the two shows to do. Um, and then um, the next day what we did was we went to the Red River Rivalry game, which is OU versus Texas. They do it every year at Cotton Bowl. Um, I have never seen in my life almost 100,000 fucking screaming maniacs over a football game. You would have thought that their relatives at random were going to be dragged out in front of them and executed. And and half the place didn't want it to happen and, and the other place, like the person that they were going to execute, killed the other half of the stadium's people, so they wanted them killed. It, that's how fucking nuts it was. It was like half of the people lost their shit and it was, you know, half OU fans, half Texas fans, and it was nuts. Absolutely nuts. Um, people screaming. This guy behind me was going like, "Yeah, yeah, come on, yeah, yeah, I'm sick to my stomach." And it was just, and and they're just so used to it that he was just like, "All right, we'll get him next year," and he just walked away. It was it was, it was fucking hilarious. It was um, it was a great time. Um, Bill and I were just looking at OU and we looked over at each other because OU was just so much better and we just go, oh my God, this is going to be a fucking bloodbath. It was like watching, it, it, seriously, it was like watching an NFL team play like, you know, 
like DeVry, DeVry University. Like it was like every time OU, every time OU blitzed, the Texas quarterback was on his back and the ball either fumbled or he just like had to do everything he can to keep it cradled. It was like, oh, you did everything they wanted to do. So it was a blowout. So in that sense, I guess it sucked. But just being there, um, you know, seeing the whole stadium going nuts like that. When, you know, when the people came out of the tunnel, each team came out of the tunnel, they were talking shit to each other. Oklahoma was looking at Texas like, well, you know we're going to beat you. You know it. Like, you felt that. Um, it was just, yeah, man, it was it was awesome. So then after that game, and we even left that a little early because it got out of hand. It was like... By the third quarter, it was like 40-something to three. And uh, it just started to get, it was just getting ridiculous. So we ended up eating. And then um, then we had two shows on Saturday night. Uh, another thing they have there, we went to this place called Snuffers. <laughs> it already sounds like the, the, the food that we got reminds me of the name. Apparently, the most famous and like be- in the state of Texas, which is, is, is enormous, the best... Um, bacon cheddar french fries that you can get like they just give you this huge like casserole of like these like quality french fries with like this rich unbelievable just poured on melted liquid melted cheddar cheese and this fresh bacon it looked like like fresh like breakfast bacon just sitting on it and I think they said it was like 4,500 calories and the three of us split it and it was fucking unbelievable. I just, it was like, it was, and I'm on a diet, like, and I'm doing well, and I just took a couple of bites, and I was like, I can't, I gotta just eat it. I gotta eat this shit. Like, it's like these people, if I put it this way, if I was in Texas, I would have diabetes, I would be the fattest, I would just become like this fat comic in Texas. Like, I would try to, like, either make that my shtick just so I could eat that shit all the time. Because it, it was, you know, you don't care down there. You just don't care. Because, like, if you're, like, 350 down there, you're like, holy shit, dude, where does that guy work out? Like, that guy fucking does a lot. <laughs> like, it's just absolute animals. Beer-guzzling animals. Foot- I was on stage, and I was going, I swear to God, I told the crowd, I go, man, you guys take football to a level that i never seen. This one guy's like, it's my life. <laughs> it's my life. And I'm just like, holy shit, man. This is bringing like the whole, what, Friday Night Lights or Varsity Blues. You know, Tim McGraw in the backseat, drunk, kicking his son in the back of the seat while his son is driving, whatever that was. Um, it really is, oh man, it was it was hilarious. But uh, so something that w- was really cool was um, I'm on stage and, uh, you know, I was doing all this stuff, dark stuff that came along with me with and... Um, you know, I started talking about, I had a line about Dirk Nowitzki. You know, I was just talking about, like, you know, we need a white hero. I think athletes, we need a we need a white hero. You know, so someone's like, Dirk, and then all of a sudden started to get contained. We got Dirk, we got Dirk. And I go, I don't count Dirk. Okay, Dirk doesn't qualify. He's gigantic and German. Like, I don't claim Dirk. I want somebody like me. Okay, I want to look at, like, this fucking, you know, five foot eight dude who's kind of athletic, but just, you know, fucking... Just always gets sidetracked. You know, a guy named Vinny that everybody can relate to just is fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want. So we're, I'm, we're talking about that. I mean, I'm talking about that. The crowd's with me the whole time. And uh, Mark Cuban is in the crowd, and it was like one of my best sets of the I was fucking killing, which was awesome. And Mark Cuban was there. And um, he left before the show was over. 
um, but it was just because he was fr he's friends with the host, so it was just so cool to kill with my sports stuff and then uh, and have him there. And I think he he was like tweeting about the show that he you know that he had a great time at the show or whatever. And um, I'm glad I didn't really shit on Dirk because they said he doesn't like that. But I guess the way that I did it, uh, he was totally cool with it. And then in the second show, Saturday night, the drummer of Pantera. And it's so funny, he's sitting there, and somebody goes, yeah, dude, that's Vinnie Paul right there. Now listen, guys, I don't listen to Pantera. I don't really know about their music. You know, so it, I didn't really give a fuck. I mean, the guy seemed like a cool guy and stuff, but I, I don't care, you know. So uh, I guess he was with some girl who was really drunk, and she heard someone tell me, there's the drummer for Pantera. So it's like in her drunk, like, glazed-over look in her face, she goes, come on, it's okay, you could come. And like, just making me feel like this asshole who's standing there and wants to meet him. I mean, it was cool, don't get me wrong, but she's like, no, no, come on, come on, you can come and talk. And I was just going to go up to the guy and be like, hey, man, uh, nice to meet you, glad you enjoyed the show. So anyway, I ended up getting into a talk with him, I was asking him all kinds of shit. Like, when I get, like, when I meet people like that, and, like, you know, I like to find out, like, what they think the best of their shit is. So I was just like, oh, where's the best place you played? What do you think of Madison Square Garden? And he was just telling me all kinds of shit and whatever. And he was like, oh, great show, really funny. And then he left. So then the night is over. And I find out there was a staff member there, uh, uh, Chelsea, really cool, man. She works there. She's been doing comedy a couple years. And uh, I guess they were doing, like, their, their new comic, like, local show. Like, it was, like, the 1130 midnight show. I had said, you know, I had said bye to Bill after an unbelievable week of, of shows and, and everything that we did there and everything. And so I'm sitting there. Now, I got to fly out. This is where things could have gotten ugly and the weekend could have been fucked, but I didn't let it. Well, actually, I, I, fate didn't let it. Let me say that. Um, <laughs> I'm at the club. I tell Bill, this is, this is how fucking out of control it can get when people are buying you drinks and you're talking and you're meeting people. You know, because I was taking a pictures with a ton of people, and they were like, oh, man, we heard about you. It was nice to meet you, so I'm having this great time. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to drink. I wasn't drinking all week, pretty much. Let me drink. I may have had, like, one or two drinks during the, during the rest of the, the time. You know, after all the shows Saturday, after that crazy week of comedy, I want to drink. So I had, like, a blue moon, and this one local comic was like, oh, dude, come on, man, I got to buy you a shot. So they're like, oh, yeah, you know, this guy's real funny. He's one of the best local comics, man. I go, hey, man, let me get you a shot. So I don't really do shots anymore, you know, so I'm just, I'm sitting there, I'm talking to people, and all of a sudden these, these uh, new comedians go up, and there's probably about 50 in the crowd, and it's like, you know, my whole time is, I've come down, and, and all of a sudden I'm drinking, and I go, who books this show with that fucking, oh, so-and-so, you mind if I close it? I want to close it, I know my night's over, is it cool, so they're like, yeah, but just do 10. So, uh... I go on stage, and I was drunk. And it was probably like, I haven't been drunk on stage, but I wasn't like ridiculous drunk. And I put my beer down on the stool, another thing I never do. It was so funny. It was almost like I was off the clock, and now I was just going to go into like a boxing ring and just kind of dance around for a little bit or like show. Like, I don't know why, what I was doing, but the drink was like, yeah, get up again. So um, now I got all these local comics who, who watched me like, you know, do really well in front of sold-out crowds and, you know, opening for Burr. And now they're all there, and I'm up there, and I'm drinking, and I'm like, you know, up there. And I just started, I, I opened with the same stuff. I did well. I ended up getting them really good, and, and it was a good time. But afterwards, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? But uh, another cool thing is um, Del Harris, the ex-coach of the Lakers and the assistant coach of the Mavericks and everything. You guys, if you know sports, you know who Del Harris is. He was in the crowd because his son is a new comic. 
So I thought that was cool. So he stayed and he watched and I ended up talking to him and his son and we had like this great talk and I was asking, I was like, you got to tell me, man, who's, who's the best, you know, is Michael the best? And he was just telling me that, you know, Jordan's the best, but you know how, how close Kobe is. And he was just saying like the difference between like greatness is so slim when it comes to the best in that game and stuff. And it was just this fucking great time. So now I probably shouldn't have even got on stage. No reason to do it, but I figured, you know, more stage time is more stage time. Let me just get up. So now they leave, everybody leaves. Now I'm just hanging and talking with a couple of comedians and staff and they keep buying me shots. One thing I don't know if I mentioned in this story, I needed to be on an airplane at 6 a.m. It's 2.30 in the morning and I'm drinking, doing shots and I got a car service coming. So I told myself at like midnight, I'll just wait, go on the plane and sleep. Go back to my hotel, piss drunk. Luckily, these comedians waited to see if I was, was going to be stranded. Come to find out the shuttle that went to, to take me to the airport, got to my hotel at 3.40, and I wasn't there. So these comedians, man, cool. Um, shout out to comedian uh, Paul uh, Vorghese, uh, who, who's uh, really funny and uh, nice kid. He took me, they dropped me off at the airport. Uh, he and his cousin dropped me off at the airport, I think at 5 a.m. for a 6.15 foot drunk. You know, I wasn't like staggering and falling over. and It's just, you know, like, just like, you know, partied hard. You know, it was kind of like I left a casino in, in Vegas at like 4.30 after playing, you know, craps and blackjack, drinking like, you know. So I go there, I get my ticket, sleep on the plane. That was probably just a snoring mess on the plane. They had to like wake me up when that flight was over. Then I had to stop in Atlanta, schlep my ass through another airport, get on another fucking airplane. You know, just slept through that. But they bumped me to like business class on that one. So I had this big leather seat to myself. Um, and then I just got off the plane feeling miserable. And I just had that guilt of like, now I'm going to see my wife and my son. I did nothing wrong, but I just, you get that anxious. Like I was so anxious and just out of it and down about just not sleeping and drinking after having this great weekend that I was like, I was like, you ever just want to just start weeping? Like I could have just went in a fetal position and cried and said, I just can't take it anymore. <laughs> and I don't even know why. I don't even know why I would even think about doing something like that. You know, but I was just like so fucking, it was just that hangover misery. And like I didn't eat, so I was just sitting in my stomach. I was a mess. So uh, I got home. I slept through the 1 o'clock games, which I said I was going to watch. I slept through the 4 o'clock games. Then I thought, oh, I'll be up for Monday Night Football. After halftime, I was out cold. So I ended up sleeping for like 17, 18 hours, which I needed. And I felt great. Um, then I felt great after, uh, I mean, uh, after the Sunday night game. Then I felt great on Monday. So, uh... That's pretty much it, man. That was the Dallas trip. Great shows, sold out, had a blast doing the new stuff, uh, you know, work, working and watching Bill, um, you know, going to these games. Thank you to Brian who took us to the Mavs thing and everything. If you're listening to this, dude, you're the shit. Um, it's so funny, too, because as I was pretty much leaving or he was leaving, I found out that he was Greek, this guy Brian who hosted. And um, I was like, oh, you're Greek? Like, almost like that made me like him even more, which is so silly. Um but no, the, the, just everything, the, you know, from, from the crowds to the staff, to the room, to the owner, you know, they want me to go back in the room and they said some really nice things about me and stuff. So it was just, a, you know, a, a home run. New Dallas stadium is not overdone. Go to it if you can, cause it's great. It's just that huge screen could have been smaller, but that, that place was awesome. Uh, where the Mavericks play is awesome. So, um, you know, the whole thing, man, Dallas, the food, Oh my God, go to this place, Snuffers. 
Just give yourself a one-day pass to eat the shittiest food in the world and go to this place in Dallas called Snuffers and get their cheddar bacon french fries and thank me when you're done because that's what you will do. You go, holy shit. And here's the funniest thing. We went there the first night after the show and all I said to those guys in the green room, I go, you guys want to go to a diner and get coffee? And like, yeah, why not? So I think I'm going to get like French toast or not French toast, like an English muffin and a coffee. And I end up fucking eating probably a hundred and, you know, 1700 calories of these fries. Um, but that was my trip, everybody, to Dallas. It was, uh, it was awesome. And while I was there, I got news from my manager that I was going to be doing another TV taping. Um, I will talk about that soon, but I'm going to be doing something. I'm going to be doing something here for TV uh, soon. Again, fucking finally. I've been waiting for another waiting for another credit. So I've got some things in the works. And then another thing, too. So, man, I'm working fucking hard. And uh, I'll tell you one thing, I'm not drinking unless I'm with people that will be like, dude, you you can't get on a plane. Like, I couldn't have, I literally said, I'm going to say bye to everybody after my second set Saturday so I could go home and sleep for six hours and get on a plane. And then all those people that I said bye to left. And then I'm at the bar doing shots with like local comedians having a blast you know, living like a fucking rock star, and I got my wife and son picking me up from the airport in like eight hours. Um, so that that was that was the one thing that I would have changed. But you know what? I was telling Bill that too. I'm like, man, I should. He goes, you know what, dude? Fuck it. When when do you do it? You don't do it often, so fuck it. So uh, you know, the voice of reasons of friends, I guess. <laughs> um, no, it was cool, man. And every but Del Harris was cool. The guy from Pantera was cool. Um, and go out and support that club. Go out and support the club because the owner, uh, Jeff Sewell, the manager, one of the coolest fucking managers in a comedy club that I've ever met in my life. The guy is just a character, and they treat you great. Um, so that was my, uh, that was my trip. And I obviously did not go to any movies, so there will not be a movie section on, um, episode 35. I thought you guys... Um, would like to hear everything that, that happened in Dallas. I hope that was awesome for you to listen to. It was awesome to do. And, um, you know, I did something really cool too. Like I felt like, and, and I think as a comedian, anybody coming up who like opens for really good comedians or just like doing a lot of shows with the same people, but especially comedians that you respect, you want to change it up. So, um, I was doing this thing, I don't want to, I don't want to do the bit here on the podcast, but I was doing this thing about how, like, I'm afraid to have a daughter, and there's certain things that can happen that can get burned in your brain if you have a daughter that you'd never forget or that are unforgiving, and it kind of can get dirty and a little sexual and stuff, but, uh, I was talking about it in the car with Brian and Bill as we were driving around, like, past the, the Kennedy thing and, and going to, you know, the stadium and the arena and all that, and I said something, so I noticed... You know, I was having a really, really good set. I totally had the crowd, and I was like, let me let me do it now. And towards the end of my set, I threw it out there, and it murdered. Like, it to the point where I was like, holy shit, man, I can't even believe it got that. And the other comedians, and I think, you know, Bill was back there, and, and the host was back there, and I think even the manager. And um, when I got off, I found out that they looked at each other, and like, wow, man, he was talking about that in the car, and he just threw it out there. And if that, like, made my, it made, like, part of my weekend. Because you never want to just go up there and do the same set. You know, switch the order around. If you open with something, you know, then, then close with it, you know, one night, see how that goes or something. So when I did that and I saw the response it got, it made me feel like I was being productive. So that was another thing that I loved about the weekend. Um, and uh, and that's it. We, we got into some very heated 
sports arguments, and this will this will kind of send us right into the sports segment of the podcast today. But um, we were getting into some heated arguments um, in the in the you know just comparing New York and how you know like you know Bill was saying this shit about New York, and then this other guy was you know like. Ah, fuck you guys, and this and that, and you guys don't know this, and we got this in Texas, and then I jump in, and I'm like, ah, whatever, you know, like, and I try to just, you know, and it just turned into this thing where we were really talking shit, then they started giving me shit about Robinson Cano, and then Robinson just shit all over the place as far as killing it, and they were just like, no, he's great, we were just busting your chops, but can we talk about the Yankees losing again? I can't invest my time anymore in this shit. I can't. I can't, I can't do it anymore. What am I supposed to do? Okay, I'm supposed to watch a team play 162 games a year. They got they got all these superstars. Okay, they go into the division a short series. Um, they win the first game at home. They lose again to the Tigers in the division. I can't do it anymore. I just can't fucking like. I can't sit there. A Rod striking out with the bases loaded. Like you know, Swisher didn't hit anything, and I'm just not gonna put myself through the devastation anymore. Listen, the Yankees are my team. I love them. Okay. Robinson Cano is my favorite player. I, I do think he's a Hall of Famer, and the reason why I'm so high on him is because I, I've said that from when I first saw him. So it's kind of like my prediction from, like, when he was a baby. You know? It's so fucking stupid to even say that, but you know what I mean. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm just watching the game, and we're sitting back there, and I, I want the Yanks to win. I'm getting tense. Like, come on, man, you guys got it. I mean, are you guys serious? Like, one, you can't put up a run right now. It was like 3-2 to two for a long time, or... It was just annoying, and then they lose, and then you see Yankee fans crying, and then the same thing is going to be next year, and it's like the same dominant teams. I just can't, I just can't get into it, and I'm just like, for what? You go there, you go there, and you're loyal. Listen, I know you can't win every year, but you just go there with these like unbelievable, unrealistic expectations. You spend a fortune at a game, and then they just get knocked out, and it's like you just got to sit back. You're like, oh yeah, well, all right, whatever. I guess we'll we'll wait till next year. It's just, I don't know. I don't know, maybe this is my way of just dealing with it because I'm used to, you know, we always get knocked out of the first round to either the fuck the Tigers or it's just so annoying. And I'm sitting back there, but they didn't give me shit about the loss because they were like, no, you know, sorry. And I was like, no, it's not even about that. It's just like, you know, this guy A-Rod hits. Alex Rodriguez is, is like Tony Romo. He's like Tony Romo. It's like when things are going good and it's 7-1 to one against the Royals, okay, and nobody cares about the game, that's, that's you know, that's when this guy performs. When it's on the line, he's... See, here's the difference. A-Rod is going, holy shit, this is me. I need to make this happen because it's me. It's about me. They're going to be talking about me. Jeter gets up there and Jeter's like, all right, is it, what, what, what pitch is coming? Is a breaking ball coming? It's a 2-2 two, two count. Is he going to throw a breaking ball or is he going to throw me the heat? Like, that's what Jeter's thinking. A-Rod is thinking, oh, man, if I get a hit, I'm a hero. If not, I'm a, I'm a goat and, you know, whatever. And he's chewing his gum and he's walking around like his, you know, like a douche. He looked like he could give a shit in the conference. You know, like, you know when a player loses a game or something bad happens to them and, and you see them at their locker and they they got their head down and they're talking somber? Well, like, even the other day when Mike Vick was like, really? You guys really want me to describe how it feels to be 1-3 right now? Is that is that really the question? Like, actually, even though people think guys like that are dicks, the whole Bill Belichick thing, and Bill Belichick is the worst. Bill Belichick would be like, Bill Belichick talks like he's, he literally talks into the, he talks into the microphone as if he's at a wake when somebody's laying in a box dead. He whispers into the microphone after a win. 
<laughs> so forget him. But, you know, I like to see that because it shows, listen, I'm not happy right now and you got microphones in my face and I'm competitive and I just lost. A-Rod, you would think he was at an amusement park with his daughters with them chewing on cotton candy and him, like, holding tickets to get on the next ride with that stupid look on his face after a loss and you strike out with the bases loaded. That's why. I just, ugh, you know. I guess I would feel better about the Yankees' loss if it was a guy going down, swinging, Jeter swinging, you know, Cano. Cano lined out, but he hit that ball hard and far. His bat broke, and he still got it out there. You know, Jeter almost hit a home run, went to the, went to the you know, the warning track. It was like, these guys are swinging for A-Rod looks at two beautiful pitches down the pipe, right down the pipe. And then the third one, he, like, put his head down. If you watch his eyes, he didn't even swing it. it was, it's just ridiculous. It's like one big hit, man. Come on. They only gave you a quarter of a billion dollars. Can you can you fucking beat the the Tigers in the in the division? Um, so that was really annoying, and um, yeah, and I just I got over it in a second just because I just realized I was like, you know what, the amount of money you spend, the amount of time you spend, all you could do is just you root for them, you hope for the best, but you just can't get yourself nuts like that. Um, it's funny because I say don't get yourself nuts like that, and I think I ranted for about. Uh, you know, five minutes on it. But speaking of rants, folks, buckle up right now, okay? Buckle up for a rant that I'm about to do. Um, I'm not even doing this to be funny, but I, I, I actually did this rant to a couple of people, and they were like, dude, you have to do this. Like, you actually have to do this on stage because it's fucking hilarious, and I think it was really funny, and you should do it. And I heard that from a lot of people, but I'm not doing this to be funny. I'm doing this... Because it needs to be out there and more people need to be talking about this. And, and and the rant that I'm talking about right now, guys, is a Steve Bartman documentary that I saw called Catching Hell on ESPN 30 for 30. Okay? This was one of the most frustrating things. First of all, it was done great. And I think all those ESPN 30s are, are phenomenal. Like the, the 30 for 30s on ESPN are, are really good pieces. You know, 90% of them, they, they just keep you in. It was all, They're awesome. And this one was no exception. I thought that everything they did, they took you through it. They even incorporated the, you know, the Buckner thing, you know, which I think is so fucked up that, that what happened to that guy too and his kids and stuff. But, you know, that one, is, it, was, it was a little different because that one actually happened on the field. The Steve Bartman fucking game where this foul ball goes there. It's like, are these fucking people that dumb that a kid is sitting there listening to headphones, he's at a game, he doesn't know if that ball is in play, the ball is coming there, alright, and fine, you know, maybe if everybody in the section goes, nobody touch it, nobody touch it because this is important, no, they didn't do that, there was about six or seven limbs sticking out there, and because it happens to hit this asshole's hand, okay, and, and Moises Alou carries on like a little fucking girl, and then, and, and all of a sudden, they start yelling about him. And as the game's going on, they're, like, blaming him. And, and then they had the nerve to say, this is where I started to lose it. They had the nerve to say, right after that play, you could tell the momentum and the air came out of the building. And then you hear fucking Eric Carroll saying that, that when he was on first base, everything changed. And these people in the stands saying everything changed. And, and right there... Right there, I was just like, why the fuck did that happen? You have momentum, you're winning. Even if you lose this game, there's a game seven. But because of one thing in the stands, you want to know why it happened? 
You want to know why it happened, you dumb, weak Cubs fans? Here's why. Because you guys are so used to being fucking perennial losers, and all you do is fail, that when one thing happens, you're so weak-minded as fans and an organization who hasn't won in a hundred years, that you let any little thing creep into your head. Instead of staying strong, clapping, and saying, let the next guy get out, you probably freaked the players out by your awkwardness because you suck so bad and know impending doom is coming. Okay? That you fucking get all quiet and it makes everybody weird and it makes kid people start screaming at this kid saying shit. Steve Bartman should have said, fuck you. I'm at a game. Okay? I'm sitting there. A ball is coming to me. I'm a lifelong fucking Cubs fan. I put my hand out there. Okay? Along with six other people because it, but, but it happens to hit my hand. Okay, you guys are giving me shit for it. Fuck you. Stop being weak-minded. If you guys were a good organization and a good fan base, you would have rallied again and you would have fucking won that game or came back and won game seven. But since you need a fucking scapegoat, okay, since you need something like that, you fucking blamed it on me because of shitty fucking players on the field who don't have the fucking heart and probably would have fucking lost in the next round anyways. Would have lost in the fucking next round anyways. It, it, it's just, it's, it's so fucking stupid. I swear to God, he should have been like, yeah, I fucking do. Oh, you people are going to come to my house? You people are going to come to my house and um, and give me death threats? Yeah, yeah, come on my property. I'll saw you in half with my fucking shotgun. Yeah, I did it. You know what? Fuck you. I did it on purpose because I'm going to go across town. Go White Sox. I did it on purpose. Come fucking near me. I'll kill you. That's what I would have said. I would have fucking had a press conference. I was Steve Bartman and said, hey, listen, dumb Cubs fans, it was a mistake. If you want to threaten me and give me death threats, come to my house. I live at one, two, three. Go fuck your mother. I'll shoot you all in the face. That's what he should have done. He should have been defiant and had balls. Instead, he's in the paper going, uh, I'm really, I'm truly sorry. And then he fucking disappears like Bobby Fischer over stupid Cubs fans who are all fat and greasy anyway. It's ridiculous. It's, it's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. I, I, I seriously cannot believe. I cannot believe that this kid it had to like run, be like away from his family or like change his identity in that because he's sitting at a ball game and he happens to reach out along with a bunch of other fat, drunk Cubs fans. It's the stupidest thing in the world. It, it, anybody in that situation who got mad at that kid should be ashamed of themselves. Okay ashamed of themselves. That team should have came right back, struck the guy out. They never talk about that. So that one incident did it. Not the shitty pitches after that. Not the way the crowd got shitty and probably made everybody feel freaked out and eerie because they all were waiting for fucking doom because that's all they know. All right? None of that comes into place. No. They shit on this guy, okay, who is just sitting there minding his business, not even being rowdy, and, it, and it's just like, if you look at all the other hands and arms that were up there, it just happens to hit his, and they give him, you know, and they give him shit for it. And there was a guy like two inches, or, or, or so they even said if the ball was like three or four inches to the left, it would have hit somebody else. And then what, you'd be talking about that guy? Fuck you. It's the, oh my God, it's ridiculous. I swear to God, I would have been defiant. I really would have. I'd been like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I did it, man. I don't like the Cubs, really. I was just, I'm actually a White Sox fan. And I did it on purpose. So I guess it worked out for me. Um... And uh, suck it, you guys who just keep failing. And you know what sucks? I don't even want to have this, like, hatred. I like, I actually, like, if I lived in Chicago, I probably would be a Cubs fan just because of the way the stadium is and the history, you know, Wrigley Field. You know, I like the team. But when I saw what they did to this kid, these stupid fans of Chicago, and they blamed him, I just lost my shit. 
I literally put myself in the situation. I was like, come to my house and give me debt. Let me see you near my step. I beg you, step on my property because of that game. You come near me because of that stupid shit. It's fucking on. You know? Now, the Bill Buckner thing, I think with Bill Buckner, I feel a little bad just because, like, his kids got, you know what I mean? And, like, you know, they, they it was just a guy for 20 years, the guy was living with that. And, I mean, I think he still is with it a little bit. But just, like, when he walked out and he was crying, it's just terrible, you know? And that's another game where there's a game seven. You know, that's another, that's another, you know, thing where it's game seven. So I just, you know, I don't know. I just looked at the whole thing and I was I was literally getting pissed off. I was calling friends. I literally called up some friends and I go, dude, you got a minute? I need to I need to vent. And they thought like I was gonna like talk about my wife, and uh, or or just something going on in my life, you know. Like they, I was like, dude, can I vent? They were probably just like, yeah, all right. Which comedy club does he want to get booked in that he's not getting booked in, or just something? And I was like, I gotta tell you, I think the first things out of my mouth were, I gotta tell you something right now. If I was Steve Bartman, I would have got defiant and I would have just lost my shit. I want I want Steve Bartman to come on my podcast so bad. If anybody listening to this has any way, and I doubt it because I don't think I think if ESPN can't get him, I don't think me or any of my fucking nineteen listeners can. But I would love to sit down to that guy and go, dude, here's where you went wrong. You know, and it just shows, and it even bothers me more because he is probably a good guy. I'm not saying that I'm not a good guy for, for, for wanting to do what I thought he should do, but he was such a good guy that he said I'm sorry because he knew that he upset people instead of being like, are you out of your mind? Oh, my God, I would have went gun shopping if I was that guy. I would have I would have bought a bottle of ja uh, Johnny Walker and a gun, and I would have just paced and stared out my window hoping, hoping to see somebody in a Cubs uniform come up to my house like ready to do something. Ridiculous. Um, all right, that's the Bartman rant, and, uh, <laughs> thank you for letting me get that off. I feel much better. I'm glad that I got that out there to you guys. I, I just, I, I don't even know what else to say other than when I saw him covering his face and doing all this and people trying to hurt him, I just lost it. I just absolutely lost it, man. Uh, it's crazy. It's, it's fucking crazy. Um, it's, it, I mean, that's just, whatever. So, um, I guess that'll be sports. Really nothing going on in football other than uh, the Jets are imploding. And uh, if Tony Romo doesn't pull a Tony Romo, the Jets would be 1-4 right now. Um, and the Eagles have totally imploded. They're done. Um, what else? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Giants, you know, 3-2. and two. Should have beat Seattle. Um, but things are still going, you know, things are still going good. Aaron Rodgers, I'm, I mean, I'm loving my picks right now. Patriots, Packers for the Super Bowl. I know the uh, Patriots defense isn't that good. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they look like they could take a punch and then just come back and, and throw fucking 50 up on you. So uh, that, that was my pick for the Super Bowl. I think they're going to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and I'm sticking with that. Um, but... Uh, and then I guess the last thing in sports is uh, the NBA is going to miss the first two weeks, which sucks, but hopefully this makes some of these greedy bastards realize how much money they're going to lose and uh, we could we could start watching a little bit of NBA. Um, that's it. Unacceptable for the week is going to be anybody who truly, truly threatened Steve Bartman and or his family really freaked out and started throwing beers at him at the game and totally turned him into 
public enemy number one in Chicago. Anybody who did that, shame on you. You are a moron, okay? And it just goes to show that even though this country has the greatest people in the world, there are still people who should be beaten or exterminated from it. And you stupid bastards. Fall. Now listen, if that happened at Yankee Stadium and some guy did it, I'd be like, oh man, that guy made a mistake. Shit, what a dick. That's different. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is people finding out where he lives and doing all that stuff and making the kid go into hiding. Completely unacceptable. And there was that one guy on the documentary who was like trying to like hurt him, wanted to do something. And it was just like, it was just so stupid. I mean, I, I actually got pleasure right now thinking about that guy with like a black eye spitting out teeth because Steve Bartman waited for him at home and smacked him in the face with a bat. Completely unacceptable. Uh, <laughs> and the funny thing is I can't even yell on this podcast because my wife and son are upstairs sleeping. And uh, that, that, that rant would have been me. Like picture that rant I just did but yelling. Oh my God. It was, it's just so stupid. Um, so that's unacceptable for the week. Um, that's pretty much episode 35. I got some plugs uh, to do here. But um, I want to thank um, Tom and Jeff at the and thank them and Brian, okay, and, uh, and Bill Burr. And uh, all the all the comedians out there that treated me great, and uh, the, every all the staff that welcomed me with open arms, the managers out there, everybody, thank you so much for an incredible, incredible um, week. Uh, I want to thank my managers who were home in New York, working hard for me, getting me, uh, getting me another TV thing uh, here, and uh, just as it was, it was just great. Um, so. You know, all my Verzi Effect podcast listeners and, and all my supporters, period. Thank you. Keep going to the website, paulverzi.com. Keep checking this out. Keep downloading it. And um, I appreciate everything. And I appreciate all you guys, man, because as corny and stupid as it sounds, there is no there is no Verzi Effect. And there is no, you know, even getting on stage for comedians without you guys. So uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it greatly. And... Uh, I'm glad you guys are uh, along for uh, the ride with me as, as one of my supporters, man. Let's try to make this damn thing happen. Um, coming up this weekend, I will be performing Friday and Saturday headlining at Joker's Wild Comedy Club in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, always have a good time there. They always bring out a crazy crowd, so that should be cool. Um, what else? And uh, the end of the month, I think, uh, what do we got? Well, I know that I'm going to be at Stand Up New York on uh, October 30th and then in between there I'll probably just be running around the city doing spots so check out my website paulverzi.com that's V-I-R-Z-I um, until episode uh, 36 I'll check you guys out also I do have some uh, special guest comedians that are going to be coming up as guests uh, soon now that um, now that I'm back um, and I could you know be local until uh mid next month. All right. So, uh, take care everybody. And I will talk to you soon. I am out.